We believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hi there, and welcome to another episode here on the Strong by Design podcast. I'm your today's host, Coach Chris Wilson. I'm honored to be sitting across the table from our guest, Matt Walter, who is uh, a man I met uh, some months ago, and I was intrigued by the information he had to share at an event I attended uh, by the name of Roar. And in a past episode, we had on uh, Dr. Ron Eccles, who is the, uh, the man behind the Roar mission which is a, um, it's a, uh, a fantastic group that's uh, for Christian uh, entrepreneurs and Christian business owners to, to be able to help them in, in all areas of their life. And, uh, and I, we had the luxury of sitting in a room with this gentleman, uh, Matt Walter, and learning a little bit more about something that I think a lot of people in this country specifically don't know much about, are fearful about, um, and uh, haven't been exposed to very much other than what they see in the media. So I think we're going to be able to at least uh, open some people's eyes a little bit and uh, allow them to maybe ask uh, some better questions and at least be in the know with some uh, some of this information. So first, I'd like to certainly welcome you, Matt, for joining me on the show today. Thank you, Chris. It's yeah. good to be here. It's it's great to have you here in the building. I gave him the the nickel tour when he got here, and yeah, I'm uh, impressed. G- g- <laughs> <laughs> I gave him so he liked the gym. I gave him uh, uh, some some goodies from Critical Bench because we we like uh, we like to give everybody some of our free swag. But uh, Matt asked before we started the show if he could pray us into this episode because this can be a very sensitive topic and we want to reach people and just uh, have our listeners be receptive to what we'll be discussing today. So uh, Matt, please go ahead and and pray us into this uh, episode. Thank you, Chris. Yes, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have this opportunity to discuss a very important topic that um, is relevant to our changing culture in our changing world. We pray, Father, that you'd be with us, that you would be speaking. Speak to every heart listening. Uh, Encourage them. Inform them. Open up to them new ideas. Bring healing where it is needed. Bring confidence where it is needed. Bring information where it is needed. Guide us and bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And uh, that's something that, you know, we've, we were praying about in, in the days leading up to this, that um, our discussion today would, would be able to reach people. And I, I want people to have a better understanding of, of who you are um, and what you're doing today. So first, what I'll do is I want to tell the listeners what Matt is currently doing, and then we can kind of dive in a little bit deeper. Matt is... Uh, you found now. Did you were you the the actual founder of Tampa Muslim Outreach? Yes. I'm okay. The, I'm I mean, the founder. This this is this is your baby. Oh, it's God's baby. This is God's baby. You, so you're just <laughs> I'm along taking, for the ride. You're just I'm, taking care I'm of holding the baby. the baby. You're babysitting. <laughs> yes. So Tampa Muslim Outreach. Uh, this is their mission. Their mission is to help churches and individuals share the love of Christ with Muslims in the greater Tampa Bay area, which is the area where Critical Bench is. We're in Clearwater, just over the bridge from Tampa. So their ministry does that through training, coaching, publishing, and prayer. 
And Matt believes and his team that every church is different and will have something unique to offer in fulfilling this vital part of the Great Commission. And some people, when they hear the Great Commission, they maybe connect that to the Bible or a verse in the Bible or scripture, but they're not necessarily sure what that is. If, if you would, go ahead and read what the Great Commission is from uh, the New International Version of the Bible. Sure, Chris. Here's the Great Commission. It's from the last chapter in the book of Matthew, one of the Gospels in the New Testament. Of course, the Gospels are the story of Jesus' life. This comes at the end of the Gospel. Um, Matthew has finished this magisterial record of the life and ministry of Christ, and now he's going to give us the grand finale. So these are the words at the end of the Gospel, starting at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age profound. It is. It actually gets me emotional. <laughs> and I've read it, I don't know how many times, and I typed it up, putting it there on the, on the sheet, and uh, it's just powerful. Well, Chris, I think that's appropriate. <clears throat> you know, these are the last words of the gospel, and this is Jesus um, giving his church, giving his people their work until he returns again in glory. Our work is to make disciples. An interesting phrase there, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And that phrase, all nations, in the original Greek is pantata ethne. Uh, Panta meaning all, ta meaning the, ethne meaning nations. And you can hear in that word the root of the English word ethnic. In other words, Christ has sent us to every ethnic group in the world to share his love, to help them to see, to connect to God, to help them to see that their life has purpose and meaning, that they are not just an accident on the face of the earth, mm. but that they, they were created by a loving, wonderful, personal God for a purpose, and that purpose is to serve Him, to enjoy Him, and to help others serve Him and enjoy Him. So that's our message, and that's why Christ um, has, has a, a people on the face of the earth is to carry that message to others. Yeah, it's 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 so profound. And oftentimes I think people ask a question, then why did Jesus come when he came? You know, and I don't think people yeah, realize- In the, in the it days seems, before video. Right. <laughs> or podcast. Just a couple. <laughs> a couple days before, you know, airplanes and cell phones and things like that. This was the center of the world at the time. It really was. Right. I mean, this was a, a robust society. And I think the timing was, obviously, he selected that time for for a reason. And here we are 2,000 years still talking about it. And, you know, this is something that we are called to do as as Christians is to reach out to people of, of all walks of life in order to have them see Jesus in us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, so making disciples of others, that's showing love. And, and and showing kindness and showing sympathy and empathy and, and and all those things that are great traits and great qualities to to be that person in your daily life, how you handle people at the grocery store, how you deal with people in business, how you deal with your your family in the home. You're supposed to let them see 
Christ in you, in your actions, in your thinking, in, in, in your words. And you know, what strikes me about this passage is that ending. It's so encouraging. He said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In other words, he's not giving us a, a work that uh, we're helpless to do. He's giving us a work and then he's giving us the power to do it. Yeah. And um, that power is his own person. In fact, in John 15, he says, if a person abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's, uh, I think, very encouraging, a, very, a great wow. blessing. We don't go out and do this on our own. It seems impossible. How are we supposed to make disciples of all nations? You know? Yeah, know. We have enough to deal with in our own lives, you know, know. getting up in the morning and getting yeah. to work on time. But we all play a part. That's right. And that, you know, your role is different than my role. You know, your reach is different than my reach. The people you come in contact, you know, this this person over here might change the path of one person's life and this person here thousands. That's right. But what's more meaningful? Mm. It's like the lost sheep. You know, the shepherd went in search of the one sheep and left the 99. And he right. said, if I can go save that one sheep, you know, everyone rejoices. And, and that's, and, that's and, a great point, Chris. He, you know, when he shares this with the disciples, he's not telling each disciple, you are personally responsible for making disciples in every nation. He's telling them as a group, and each one of them will have a specific role to play. Yeah. And, you know, the devil's constantly at work on us, isn't he? He's constantly sending messages to us, lies at us, into our minds to discourage us in the life that God planned for us. And one of the lies is, you're not doing enough. You can't ever do enough because you're a failure. When, in fact, what Jesus is saying, listen, here's the commission for the body. You'll each have a role to play, and I will give you the power to do it. Just lean on me and trust me. Yeah. Well, he... he did a wonderful job of speaking life and light into people's lives. Yes. Otherwise, it'd be a very dark world yes. without, without him. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you find our show helpful in any way, please let us know by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Your review will help us reach more listeners and continue to change lives. Let's get back to the show. Uh, without being able to plug into to his wisdom and to his love. And what's, what's, I'll, I'll make one more point about this amazing passage, and we can obviously talk a whole hour just about this one paragraph here, but um, it says, but some doubted. Yeah, and, right. there, and there he is standing up, right in front of them, right in front of them. And speaking, they had seen lots of miracles. And they've seen him do, yeah, all sure. kinds of things. And yet some doubted. Which gives it such a realness, doesn't it? It does. To, to and that's a comfort. That's a comfort too, yeah. because when we find ourselves doubting, we oh need to know, God. hey, we're in we're in a good tradition of doubt. <laughs> it's been there from the beginning yeah. with the the cream of the crop. That's right. That Christ commissioned. Paul at the doubted. Paul doubted. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. If Paul's doubting, then I shouldn't be so hard on myself, right? Exactly. For having a tough day, or yeah, let's all be honest with ourselves. Yeah. A tough day suddenly, boom. Our, our morale right. plummets with the, with the circumstances, yeah. and we start doubting. We start thinking things we never thought we would think before. Well, here it is right in this passage. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic stuff. So, I'd love to dial it back a little bit and to know a little bit more. Obviously, I've learned some about you, but I'd love to know more. And I know our listeners would like to. What initially led you to Christ or to the Christian faith? Was this something that 
you had as as a small boy and grew up in the church, or was this something that you adopted later on in life? Yeah, thank you for that question, Chris. That's a great question. In fact, it's tied to this passage right here. When I was a kid, my dad was a businessman, and he, it was back in the 70s. Um, now you're finding out how old I am. <laughs> but I think a, you're only a smidge <laughs> older than me. Smidge. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, so, um, <clears throat> And that's why I don't have to do as much as you do on video, I, I think. I've got some excuses. Um, <clears throat> but when I was a kid, he saw the business opportunities that were opening up overseas, particularly in the country of Iran. This was back in the 70s. And so he took advantage of some opportunities there. We moved there in 1971, and we were there for five years from 71 to 76. Iran at that time was ruled by um, a, a gentleman whose title was the Shah. He was like a king. And he was very much open to Western influence and brought in as much American expertise as he could. So there was a huge American uh, community there. Wow. I didn't, I, I didn't, did not know that. That's yes. how interesting. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> but it was in Iran that God really changed our lives. And he did it through a tragedy. When I was six years old, it was 1971, I believe. And, um, my little brother was three, and while my parents were out, my little brother took a nap, and I, I remember the babysitter going into his room to wake him up, and she screamed, he's not breathing. And that began a, a flurry of events, including trying to contact a neighbor. Of course, we're back in the 1970s in another country. She desperately trying to contact someone. The neighbor's rushing over, carrying his body out. I'll, I'll never forget the, the picture of his body being carried out of the house. And, um, and then my parents coming home. Um, my dad going back to the hospital where he had been taken and then coming home. And from his face, when he came home, we were waiting in the living room in a circle. From his face, we knew it had happened, that my little brother had passed away. And in an instant, a life of success and of uh, profit and of adventure and happiness crumbled. And, you know, my family were, was a church-going family. I, I was born Episcopalian. So was I. Really? Yep. I knew. I knew I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> I was too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's possible to go to church faithfully every Sunday and not to know God personally. And that's what we were doing as a family. It was a ritual, not a relationship. But that all changed. When my little brother died, <clears throat> it brought our family down to the rock bottom of life. They, they um, of course, grieved. They questioned. They were in great pain. Um, our family kind of entered a, a, what I would call from biblical imagery, the valley of the shadow of death. And there were some people living in Iran who were missionaries, and they saw the pain that my family was in. And they invited my parents to uh, a Bible study uh, where they sat around and they read out of the Bible together. And in this Bible, it was very informal. It was a group of people who uh, didn't know much about the Bible, but they were interested. My parents joined them, felt very comfortable. And every week they would just read through a chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And there weren't a lot of, um, there, there was no teaching. They would just kind of all read and then make comments on it. But over time, my parents realized that this was not any ordinary book, but it had answers for their deepest needs and their deepest pains. And as they followed the life of Christ through that Gospel, they realized not only did it ring true, but that it was making a demand on them that actually what was happening was that Christ was speaking to them out of the pages of this amazing book and saying to them, come follow me, come trust me, surrender your life to me. And there came a night that my parents <clears throat> were trying to decide whether or not to go to a, 
a cocktail party. And uh, my mother was trying to choose a dress. And she sighed and said to dad, you know, I'd rather go to a Bible study. And my dad looked at her and he said, we believe this stuff, don't we? And she said, yeah, we do. And they said, why don't we surrender to Christ? So they knelt down. On a night they were supposed to be going to a cocktail party and they surrendered their lives to Christ and uh, never looked back. And did you witness this or this? I didn't. I was a kid. You know, I was little. I'm telling you this story because it's kind of a family story. Yeah. Shortly after that, they started sending me to a a Christian school in Iran that had been founded by some missionaries probably a hundred years ago. Wow. And there I heard the story of what Christ had done for me, that he had um, come, that he had lived a perfect life, that he had done miracles, that he had displayed his power as the Son of God. And then instead of being some kind of victorious, you know, conquer everything, and make himself king situation. He instead gave himself and suffered a humiliating death. And he did that because I was supposed to get that. He took the hit for me. And um, I realized as a child that I needed a savior. I had seen what had happened to my parents and I wanted it so badly. So when they, at school, when they invited people to come up and pray, I was always too embarrassed to do it. So I went home, talked to my mom, Mom led me to Christ, and I accepted Christ. And, and um, my life has been filled with his presence, and I have screwed up more times than I can remember ever since, but God has helped me out. <laughs> and he lives in my heart, and uh, I praise him for his grace. That's a, wow, that's some, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I, I had no idea about that. Uh, sorry, obviously, for your, for your loss to, to, and for a family to lose a child. I just can't... Uh, I, I just can't conceive of it. Right. And as a, a father of, of two younger children, um, breaks my heart when you hear stories like that. And those stories are around us. Um, and, and there's and, uh, the loss of a child. You never quite get over it. No. no. Um, and my parents, it's still, of it's course. still a wound. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a life that, that, what, that was cut just far too short. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, you know, I, I've lost a, a lot of people in my family in recent years, uh, but they at least had, had lived some life. Uh, when it's a child, it kind of takes on a whole new meaning and you try to understand the whys behind it. But, um, you know, may, may, you know, and then you say, okay, well, was that what was needed to bring your parents to God, you know, and you, you say, know, well, those are, those are ultimate questions yeah. that I'm not sure we can answer. That's right. But what we can say is that um, in their hour of darkness, yeah. uh, Christ was the answer. He entered in and gave them hope, and he brought healing, and he brought a new purpose, and he can do that for anyone in the darkest place. And that's kind of his specialty. That's right. He's the light of the world. You yeah. mentioned it earlier in this I, podcast. Yeah. I'm his the, light. I'm, I'm the way, the, the truth, mm-hmm. and the light. Yeah. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah. And he offers that, that to everyone, uh, no matter how desperate our situation. Yeah. Free gift. It's just there for you. Yeah. You just got to ask for it. Right. It's pretty awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you uh, share, sharing that um, uh, personal story. So so then you were obviously exposed to this uh, lifestyle or culture, I should say, from a very young age. And as you grew up, um, you continued to stay over there, right? So you, right. your whole life was basically lived on the other other side of the world. Yeah, I like to say Iran got the Middle East in my blood. And uh, so uh, when I went to college, uh, I had a, 
a freshman year, I, I realized, you know, I'm tired of school. I need a year off. So I ended up taking a year off between my freshman and sophomore year and going to Jordan and studying Arabic at a, a, a missionary language school there in Jordan. Had a great year. Discovered that I loved Arabic and I loved mixing it up with Arabs. And so I came back and majored in Near Eastern languages and literatures. Not wow. a not a major you hear of every day. <laughs> And I was kind of like wondering, how am I going to use this yeah. to make a how, living? How is this going to benefit me in 10 years? Right. So, uh, but it's amazing. God is actually using my major. How many people can say that, you right. know, I'm using my major? I, am, I, mean, I too am using my yeah. major, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. yeah. What was your major? I was uh, mass communications. So okay. I had a heavy, uh, heavy study. In, you are using your major. In television, radio, wow. all things media. Mm-hmm. and. Here I am working on a yep. podcast yeah, but, that, and running maybe that's a lot a, of Maybe that's another message for our listeners. God can use your major. Yes, he can <laughs> use your major. Just pray it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you're enjoying today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Let's get back to the show. So, so you're over there, you're growing up, you're in, you're schooling. And then, um, what was your call to go into military, the military? Yeah. So I was at college, um, and I knew I, I needed a change of pace. I'd been in boarding school since I was 11, and then I went to college and it was a lot of academics. And I just thought, I want to go out and do something. So I did the logical thing. I joined the Marine Corps. Absolutely. Can you say, hoorah, 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 that's what it is. Hoorah. I grew, I actually, uh, was in. Uh, lived in a, in a house off campus in college with uh, a Marine uh, who's our, a dear friend of ours. So after he did his four years, he, um, you know, he had his college paid for and he lived with us and he had some great stories from 89 and 93. He was in the first Gulf War yeah, and uh, s- some interesting stuff there. So, and my dad was a Marine, my uncle a Marine. So a lot of Marines in my life. I knew I liked <laughs> See, we're finding all these things out about each other. So, <laughs> so, so you, you have the ultimate adventure. You're a Marine. Right. Got out of college, uh, was a Marine, took a commission, uh, and ended up as an intelligence officer. You know, my, my vision of being a Marine was, you know, r- wading through rice paddies, that kind of thing, leading Marines in combat. But God had a different idea. And I, I was trying to get away from studying. I studied harder in the Marine Corps than I'd ever studied before. Um, but it was fantastic. I did end up in Desert Shield, Desert Storm wow. as well. Served at the same time as your friend. Wow. Um, and met, you know, best thing that happened to me, I met my wife while I was in the Marine Corps. Maeve. Uh, right. I was uh, leading worship in a navigator's Bible study at Camp Lejeune. Uh, 40 other male Marines in the room, um, and the leader and his wife, the, I think the only female in the room, was the wife of the staff leader. And uh, she walked into the room. You could hear the eyeballs click, you know, seeing this beautiful person come into the room. And I, I did think to myself, I, that, I, how can I get to her through the, <laughs> with all this competition? I had to move fast. So we, we uh, <clears throat> ended up going to the Marine Corps ball we were married in six months. I oh my gosh! Yeah. You, wow, good for you, man. You <laughs> stepped up. You saw something that you 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 wanted, and you went for it. Look at you. Yeah, by God's grace. That's awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. So, and obviously, that's you guys have been together a long, long time, and and uh, have. Gosh, you said you have seven children. Yes, we have seven children. Um, 
praise the Lord. Uh, I often joke that if you can't win Christians, then make Christians. That's that's, <laughs> that's, our, that's our philosophy. Obviously, it's worked in your home. <laughs> My goodness. I, I mean, that's beyond the Brady Bunch by one. So that's uh, fantastic. Yes. Each one a blessing. We're so we're so grateful to God. Wow, for, that's fantastic. For a big family. Oh, it's great to hear. And uh, big family is is an absolute blessing. No no doubt about that. So so you're over there for an extended period of time. You're you're having children over there, and eventually you guys work your way back uh, to the states, right? Right. Um, but there's a lot that happened while you were over there, right? A lot of you were exposed to to uh, to the the culture over there in living in Jordan. Right. Right. And so tell us a little bit more about uh, living inside that culture as a Christian and just your, your day to day, how you interacted with, with the people in, in your, in your life. Yeah. Let me give you a quick timeline. We, we married in um, 93, I'm sorry, 92, better get that right. 92. Yeah. Don't mess that (laughs) up. 92. And then in January of 93, got out of the Marine Corps. And Maeve and I knew that the Lord was calling us into some kind of service among Muslims. So we ended up going back to Jordan in 93 for six months to help out at the language school that I had studied at. Came back to the States. I attended seminary. Went back to Jordan 1999 to 2007, so for eight years. And I acted as the head of this language school, teaching Arabic to nonprofit workers and Christians from all over the world who wanted to learn Arabic in order to connect with Muslims and share with them the love of Christ. What a privilege it was. And uh, we returned to the States in 2007. So, um, so we were exposed over there about <clears throat> eight and a half years or so during that period of time. Um, and we loved it, full of challenges, of course. But um, I would say this. I would say we were given this amazing opportunity to see a, a culture from the inside and wow. to get to know people really well within that culture. And what we saw was that people are people everywhere. And they have their strengths, they have their weaknesses, and they're all in need of God's love. Um, and they're all in need of uh, this wonderful information that we have about Jesus. He said, you know, we read it at the beginning of our conversation today. We read, Jesus said, uh, go make disciples of all the nations. And he said that because all the nations need him. They need God. They need to be connected to their creator. And what a privilege to bring that message to people. Wow. Yeah. And it's it's nice to know, though, that in that culture, there are there's a lot of people, because it's obviously such a mix, right, of of just like it is in our in our country today, you know, such a mix of of people who you know of uh, this faith or that faith, right, or this background right. or that background, or you know, business people, right, uh, you know, from all over the world living there, right, operating. And so, what was it like sharing, uh, you know, the, the the Christian faith with with the people of that culture? What what yeah? How how did that go about? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, just to give some background, the Middle East is mostly Muslim. They have many Christians, um, other faiths as well, but the the majority are Muslim. They come from the religion called Islam, you know, and the, the words work like this. Islam is like Christianity. It's the noun that describes the religion. Muslim, it can be used as a noun if you're refer- referring to the people or as an adjective to describe something that belongs to the religion, like the word Christian can. It can be used as a noun to say, okay, those people are Christians, or it can be used as an adjective to say, okay, this building is Christian or so forth, just terminology. 
So um, a majority of, of the Middle East is Muslim. And uh, the Muslim faith, Islam, um, is, uh, it's it's got some fundamental differences with Christianity. Basically, Islam is reverence for three things. It's reverence for a person uh, who is what they call the prophet Muhammad. Uh, it's reverence for a book uh, that was supposedly revealed to that person, Muhammad, called the Quran or the Quran in Arabic. Um, and it's reverence for a tradition about that person called the Hadith. And from these sources, Muslims gain their whole faith. Essentially, coming through Muhammad, they gained the holy book, and they gained the traditions about what he said and did, and this guides their whole life. And the bottom line for a Muslim is they believe um, that there will be a resurrection of the dead. They believe there will be a day of judgment. Of course, those are beliefs shared with, between Christians and Muslims. And they believe that on that day of of resurrection, there will be a judgment, and at that judgment, their good deeds and their bad deeds will be weighed against each other on a scale, and whichever weighs more will determine their destiny, whether they go to hell or whether they go to paradise. And, you know, that, that belief is where Christianity parts ways. We believe in a judgment. The Bible tells us there is a day of judgment. In the book of Hebrews, it says, it, for it is destined for man to die once and then to face judgment. We will all face judgment. That's kind of good news. There's justice. Yeah. Justice will happen. Yeah. It's kind of bad news too, because all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, justice is not good news for us and for the behavior that we have chosen to do throughout our lives. So, um, But the Christian message is different. It's not that judgment and the good and bad deeds are not all there is. There's something else that God did. The way the Bible puts it is this. In Romans uh, chapter 3, verses 23 through 25, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, all of us, that scale is way down with the bad deeds. Yeah, we're fallible, we're imperfect we're, beings. We've all done it. Um, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But here's what it says. And are justified by his grace as a gift. Okay, grace means something that you did not earn. We're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption means someone paid a price to rescue you from something. The redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Propitiation, a lot of words to explain here. Wow, that's, that's, that's a big word. <laughs> yeah, propitiation. It means that it, it, was a, it was something thrown down of such value that it takes away all of the hurt, the just hurt, and the just um, emotion God feels about our sin. It takes it all away. Looking to win some free Critical Bench swag? Here's how. Subscribe to the Strong by Design podcast on iTunes, and then visit us on Instagram, at the Critical Bench, to let us know you're a subscriber. Be sure to DM us to get your free gifts. That's what Jesus did. He absorbed the righteous indignation of God that was to be directed to us yeah. because of his love for us. So uh, propitiation by his blood, here's the last part of that, those verses, to be received by faith, meaning we don't have to run around doing a bunch of good works to try to offset our bad works. No. In fact, God has arranged it so that simply by trusting Jesus, we can have his righteousness given to us as a gift. That's incredible. Yeah. And that's, that's where Muslims and Christians part ways. Um, and 
that's um, something I think Christians can share with Muslims, that wonderful truth, because it's a message of, hey, God loves you. He loves you so much that he wants you to, to know that you have eternal life. Um, not just to be guessing, because you don't know how much your good deeds and your bad deeds weigh. And guess what? That's actually a message for a lot of people who go to churches and think they're they're Christians. They 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 understand. Wait, my good deeds and my bad deeds are going to be weighed on the day of judgment, and and uh, they're not aware that actually God has gone a step further and provided the way to take care of the balance problem and to give us a certain hope of of eternal life. Yeah, I mean that's why Jesus was here. It was God's way of connecting with us, and it, it makes perfect sense. The only way that that maybe for for a lot of people that we could even really recognize God in our in the world was by God coming to us as as a man and being like you know here I am that's right and I, I wonder the, sometimes how else would we know for sure that God loved us except that he took on flesh lived the life of a not so wealthy or not so well off person and then actually died for us now there's incontrovertible evidence that no matter what you or I think of ourselves, he thinks a lot of us. Yeah. And that's amazing. It is amazing. And, and these were, you know, this was the, the Jewish people. Why would, they were, the, they were God's chosen people, right? Right. Why would they have decided, okay, well, I'm already God's chosen people, but I'm going to follow this other guy because I believe that he's the son of God. And let's just start a whole new religion. And guess what my payment for that choice will be? That I'll be tortured and killed for 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 deciding that. Right. I mean, and 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 that's these are I'm talking about the people who created the Bible. Right. They created it. Christianity existed before the Bible was written. Right. They created the Bible because they were they had to get the word out. Exactly. That, that this happened, and this is why we did what we did. Right. And, the world needs to know this. Yeah, and you bring up a great point. This is a free gift given to us, but God makes it clear. It means the surrender of everything that we are. And it may mean that we have to lay everything we are down. And this is especially true of people from other faiths that have very strict rules about the penalty for leaving. And um, in Islam, for example, in all of the schools of theology in the Muslim system, and there are major sects within the I remember, I remember you covering that. Yeah, that's, that's right. Where, that's where I was like, shoo, 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 <laughs> yeah, stuff right. going over okay. my head. Yeah, but but you know, just to put it in summary, the two major sects in Islam are are called the Sunni uh, sect and the uh, Shiite sect. All of them teach that uh, the penalty for leaving Islam is death. So the ultimate penalty for leaving is very high for a Muslim when they when they consider following Christ. They are they are really consider considering laying it all down. But we need to be aware of something. When Christ calls any of us, it, we need to know he's calling us to lay it all down for him too. We are called to, to surrendering to Christ isn't a, a halfway deal. It's not a, okay, I'll go to church now, or okay, I'll, I'll uh, read my Bible, or I'll be a nice person. None of that is enough. Christ wants it all. And when you give it all to him, you enter into life, and you enter into freedom, and you enter into something wonderful but it takes laying it all at his feet which is obviously so so hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around as you've said a couple of times now is there's a lot of people that are just the, the ritual uh christians the people that you know it's sunday i go to church on sunday and they might have good intentions and 
ask for forgiveness, you know, for their sins and be nice people, but they're not, they're not all the way in. They got a toe in the water, but they're not, you know, and then it's the people that take the plunge, you know, the people that like, I've even thought, uh, in, in my own walk, you know, I grew up in a church. I grew up in an Episcopal church in, in St. Paul's in Brook, little Brookfield, Connecticut. And I was baptized in that church. I had this same guy, Father Crocker there for my entire life. The guy who baptized me was still there doing the church service when I was in high school, right? And I have a lot of great feelings about about that church, right? And But as a child, you, you didn't make a conscious decision to be baptized. You just right. were baptized. Right. So I've often thought like at some point in my life, I'm going to, I'm going to want to get baptized again mm-hmm. because it, it'll be a conscious decision on my, on my end. Mm-hmm. I, I do identify as a Christian man and I love the Lord, but I feel like I still feel on, on my heart, like I have, I have more to do right. in order to, uh, to, to be more Christ-like and to make disciples of, of those people that I come across in my world. And, um, and so that's, I love having conversation like this with somebody like yourself too, who, who really has, I mean, you went to school for, uh, to study, you went to seminary, right? Yeah. which that's, I mean, that's a pretty hefty thing. What, what was that? You know, and I know I'm going all over the place, but that's what I wanted this to be kind of an, an, an open conversation. What was that like, that period of time going through seminary and really diving deep into the Bible and getting to know the books of the Bible and really, you know, understanding things at, at just a, another level from, from your, your regular everyday people? Well, um, it was a fantastic experience. Of course, it's a privilege to do. You know, if you have the privilege of studying the Bible at a seminary, especially under godly men who have studied th- themselves, it is a great privilege and it enriches you so much. Uh, however, there's also something to consider, and that is the Bible says from those to whom much has been given, much will be required. So we're expected to use it. That's right. And um, I'm grateful for that time in seminary. I'm also grateful because of a, something that God did in our lives personally. I didn't put this in my original story, but I'll do it now. But please, when when uh, Maeve and I first went to the Middle East, she wasn't so sure about her, you know, delight at being the wife of someone who wanted to live in the Middle East. That wasn't her idea growing up. She was a North Carolina girl. <laughs> wow! And and uh, so she was ambivalent. Um, in fact, we went to Jordan the first time as an experiment to see if she would like it. And it, if we were there for six months, and the experiment worked. We found out she did not like it. <laughs> so so uh, we came back, um, and while we were at seminary, I was praying and saying, Lord, what is your call in my life? And every time I did that, the message would come back loud and clear, you are called to minister to Muslims. And every time I brought it up with Maeve, um, she was not comfortable with that call. So. I, uh, I wondered, what does a Christian do in this situation when there's not unity between a man and his wife on the call? Um, in our case, the answer was wait. Because what happened at seminary uh, was that while I was studying there, Maeve um, took a course called Perspectives on World Mission. And I highly recommend it uh, just because of the effect that I saw. I've actually never taken it myself, Wow! but it transformed her. One night she came home, taking that, having taken a class in that course, and she sat down and she started to cry. And she said, 
Matt, she said, I saw today that God can use me as well to spread the love of Christ among Muslims. I am called to go with you uh, to to be uh, a messenger to them of God's love. And she has not looked back ever since. Wow. So seminary was as much about uh, studying the Bible. It was also about um, bringing us together as a couple, getting us ready for further service. And I think that's often what seminary is. It's, there's more going on than just book study. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you find our show helpful in any way, please let us know by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Your review will help us reach more listeners and continue to change lives. Let's get back to the show. Wow, that's that's uh, really powerful, and uh, how how nice that you have a partner in your life like that. She is a supporter, and oh, obviously, you guys have a, the best. A, a great marriage, and uh, and that's well, know, it's not it's not a perfect marriage. No, of course not. We have uh, what we call vigorous fellowship occasionally. <laughs> vigorous. Yes. I like that. That's good. Vigorous fellowship. Yeah. Probably audible fellowship, sure. I would say. Well, yeah. well, with seven children, I would, uh, from from all age range too, like you have, you said you, your youngest is eight and your oldest is middle 20s? 24, right. I'm married now. Whew. Yeah. We're blessed. Wow. It keeps us hopping. I'll say. Yeah. Only yeah. by God's grace. Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. You got to lean on his strength because there's no, there's no no dad out there doing it on his own with seven. Mm-hmm. My gosh, that's great. Uh, so so let's fast forward kind of to where we are right now. What are some of the biggest? Uh, I don't necessarily have to say may, maybe problems, but issues facing this country when it comes to uh, the rise of the the Muslim culture in our world here in the United States. Like what, what, give us a little bit of an, maybe an overview again, because I think a lot of the listeners, it's, it's not something we, again, we hear about it in the news. We hear about it in, in the media. A lot of it's obviously, um, you know, inflated or exaggerated or, uh, you know, used in a way to, to get your attention, but you have a much deeper understanding of this. So give us a little bit more of a, a of a, um, under the microscope view of, of what what this culture looks like in a mostly in a dominant Christian culture, right? I mean, I would say that the United States is, is what, like probably a hundred million Christians. Right. So, it's, you know. Yeah, certainly a, a, a large group, uh, a dominant and influential group of people who would uh, describe themselves as Christians, that's for sure, yeah. in our country. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I, I think this is what's going on. I think that we have seen a change in immigration over the last 30 years. When I was in Jordan in the 80s, uh, most of the Arabs in the United States were actually from a Christian background. In other words, they had emigrated from uh, the Middle East and they came from Christian families. For so there, there are millions of, of Christians living in the Middle East and um, those were the ones who first came over. In the 90s, that started to shift for various reasons. And since the turn of the century, that's shifted significantly so that now um, it is the, you know, one of the faster growing religious groups in the United States is Muslims. But we don't know exactly how many we have because there's no census that's done where they ask religion. But estimates go from, you know, I think it's three and a half million estimated in 2017 by the Pew Research Council 
Um, but they estimate that um, it'll be uh, the, the second largest religion in the United States by 2050, certainly. So um, we don't know exactly how many there are, but it's clear that the population of Muslims in the United States is rising, and everybody knows that. The, the Muslims, the Muslim women, often wear the, what's called the hijab, a cloth on their head, that they believe they were instructed to do by the Prophet and um, is the right thing to do. And, and so they're visibly, um, they've got a sign that they're a Muslim. So we can see them in our culture. And so I think what's happening is that people who um, see this happening are, are having several different kinds of reactions. One reaction is kind of denial. They're, they're saying, no, no, my world isn't changing. My world is as it was always. And I don't think that's a healthy reaction. We need to kind of recognize, no, things are changing on the ground. If you're a Christian, you know that God is actually changing things. In fact, the Bible says in uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 26, it says, um, and this is St. Paul talking, he's explaining uh, God's control over history to some pagan people, the Athenians, that he is explaining the gospel to. And he's kind of giving them the big picture. And he says, from one man, God made every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods, meaning how long people will live, and the boundaries of their dwelling place, meaning where they'll live, so that they might uh, seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. In other words, this is for the Christian, this is from the Christian worldview. And that's Paul and Acts? That's Paul and Acts. Wow. Isn't that a cool verse? Yeah, that's a really cool verse. It, I like that. It tells you something. And I know I've read Acts before, but that one's not sticking so, out for me. <laughs> well, sometimes go. things jump out. It kind yeah. of didn't jump out uh, at me until I began this ministry. Uh. Because what it means is that God has chosen where everyone is on the face of the earth for the very purpose that he knows that in that place, at that time, and for that length of time, they are most likely to encounter the, the, what they need to know in order to feel their way toward him, maybe find him, maybe come into a relationship with the living God. So Christians need to look at the changing situation. We need to say, we need kind of to grow up as Christians and say, wait a second, this situation, whether or not it's, I view it as the result of broken policy or, or the result of things that I don't like, whether or not you view it that way, you need to look at the situation on the ground and say, God has brought this about because he wants these people in this place because they might find him. And then the Christian needs to go to the next step and ask, well, wait, maybe I'm supposed to be part of the process of them seeking and finding God. So that's from the Christian perspective. But I would say to everyone, I would say, you know, we need to look and we need to not deny we need to say, look, this is the situation. We have a growing Muslim population. And I think this is the key thing for Americans to do. We need to make a distinction between people and their ideology. In other words, people have intrinsic value. Whether, whether or not you're a Christian, if you believe in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, you think there's a creator who gave everyone inherent rights and, um, and value. And so you recognize that in each person. But at the same time, people do come with ideologies. And I would say we need to be realists and look at ideologies and not just say, okay, every ideology is good because a person believes it. We don't really think that. There are some ideologies that we agree as a culture are bad, you know. Yeah, um, there was an ideology over in uh, the other side of the world in the 40s that that's right. That caused a little bit of trouble. A little bit of trouble. <laughs> and if you, if you were to utter the name of that ideology, there's almost universal agreement that that ideology is off the table as far as ideologies that we consider socially acceptable. Right. 
So I think as a culture, we need to have conversation about what ideology is ex- acceptable and not. So all I'm saying is this, separate people from their ideology, care about people, be hospitable to people, and, and you know, welcome people, but then have realistic, honest discussions about ideology. Yeah, Let's, and, try, and try to pull some of the emotion out of it too. Yeah, good point. When you have a, a, a conversation and come at it from a, a place of, of love and understanding and mm-hmm. and uh, and and be, being a good listener, yes, goes, that's so important. Goes such a long way, you know. I think so many so many interactions anymore when it comes to certain conversations, especially when it's about your spiritual walk, uh, you know, being re- your religion uh, or po- your politics. Right. People get really angry really really fast. Right. And they they don't have a good conversation because they can't separate the two. You have to be able to put your emotions aside, right? And 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 get to just listening to someone rather than being the one that's always talking and being civil with somebody and trying to really understand their point point of view and their experience. I mean, it's going to go so much further, right? Um, that otherwise, the people shut down. Yeah, it's true, and and we need to look past people's ideology and see them as people. I, I you know, there's a a story I often tell um, that occurred to me uh, in Jordan. I was uh, riding home from an event late at night. This was when I, I don't know how many kids were in the family at that point. I four, four or five. But, yeah. Let's just go. I think it was three, actually. Go, okay, three. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it was late at night. I was getting going home in this taxi, and I was getting nervous because, um, and this must have been in the year 2000, because the driver of the, of the taxi told me he had just gotten back from Afghanistan where he had been training to kill the enemies of Islam. And I thought to myself, well, I am a former Marine and a missionary. I wonder if I qualify as an enemy of Islam, you know. Goodness gracious. So I, I, I had the guy uh, stop some distance away from my home. Um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't choose well. I wasn't thinking because it was a lonely dark alley where we found ourselves. <laughs> so um, he stops the taxi and normally... A taxi driver will keep his engine running, take your money and go. But the, he stopped the taxi and he turned off the engine. And I remember at that moment, I thought, I, f- I felt, you know, what's going to happen? Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you're enjoying today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Let's get back to the show. And he had been kind of plying me with questions. He had um, told me all about his life. He had said, you know, I'm a very religious person. He was a Muslim. He, he said, uh, I've memorized the Quran. That's over 6,000 verses. That's a real achievement. Um, he, s- he claimed to have memorized a lot of the Hadith. Well, there are hundreds of thousands of stories of Hadith. That's a lot of memorization. He um, did what Muslims do. They fast during the month of Ramadan from sun up to sundown. He had done all that, and he fasted extra days to make sure that it counted. And he had done all his prayers and so forth. But, but having done all of that, he never knew if God actually had heard him or approved of him. He never felt a contact with the living God. And so he was plying me with these questions, and I didn't know what his agenda was. And I just prayed. I said, Lord, I need your help because here I am in this lonely dark alley with a gentleman who trained to kill the enemies of Islam, and he really wants something, and I don't know what it is. And into my head popped a verse uh, from the Gospel of Matthew that we had just memorized in Arabic. In Arabic, it goes like 
like this a little bit of arabic for our Please, recording no, today I, I love it <laughs> I, this will be the this will be the first time ta'alaw ilay ya jami'al muta'abin wa thaqili al-ahmal wa ana urihukum these are the words of christ come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest when he heard that verse, he sighed and he said, that's really good. How do I get that? Wow. And I said, well, you would have to, and I listed a few things that a Muslim would have great difficulty in accepting, mm. except that Jesus is the savior of the world, the son of God, the, and that he came to die for our sins. They deny the, the death of Christ on the cross, they, that he came to die for our sins and he rose again from the dead to pay for your sins. Um, you'd have to accept all that and follow him and surrender to him. And he said, well, how do I do that? I said, well, you can do that by praying. You just pray and do it before God. He said, well, how do I do that? I said, well, you can pray. I'll lead you in a prayer. You can pray after me if you mean it. And he, he followed a prayer. He prayed to receive Christ in the text. And, uh, you know, stunning experience. I mean, it's so many emotions going through your mind. Oh, yeah. And you don't know what's happening. I don't know you, what's you going on. You got somebody... Possibly converting to Christianity. Who right a second in front of ago, you. I yeah. thought was possibly thinking of uh, of doing something else. Right. But what I learned was that there's no place that the gospel can't go, and there's we we must never put people in a box and say this person is beyond accepting and receiving the love of God. No, God can do it, and we're just that wasn't me. That was my cleverness. Oh, right. God put me in a taxi. That was, God, that was you just reciting God's word. Yeah, that's true. Something. I had memorized a verse. <laughs> You had that going. It for helps. You. It does help. <laughs> Have a few in your back pocket, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And God will. Let's put it this way: God will use what you've got. That's right. That's what it says over and over again. Yeah. God will tap in. He'll tap in to 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 your capabilities. I mean, look what He did with Moses. That's right. And right? and the message is: God can use you. No one is too weak. No one is too lost to be used by God if you're willing to surrender to Him. Wow. And um. And the light, I saw the light shine in a dark place that evening. And I've never lost that feeling. God can do it. And we need to be confident about that. What a great message. So, so awesome. And, and so what then, with what you're doing right now in Tampa, Tampa Muslim Outreach, what is your five, 10-year plan or vision for what you are doing right now? How do you see this impacting the city of Tampa and the the greater area surrounding here. Um, obviously, um, this is something that you started in April of 2013. So here we are coming up on seven years. Right? Um, are do you feel like you're hitting a stride? Do you feel like you're you're gaining momentum? Yes. In fact, that's exactly how I would describe it. There is momentum by God's doing, um, and the the evidence of that is that there are. You know, we're keeping a, a record of the Christians we know that are sharing the love of Christ with Muslims. And right now we have a record of 88 ongoing relationships where that's happening. And that's pretty cool. Um, God is at work. Um, but we're not going to stop there. <laughs> there are thousands more. There are probably 30,000, maybe 45,000 Muslims in the Tampa Bay area. We pray that the day will come that they are all spiritually transformed by faith in Jesus Christ. In five to 10 years, that's our dream, that um, we would be able to say, God has revealed himself to all of the Muslims of the Tampa Bay, and the people of God were willing to lay down their lives to make that happen, to love 
care for, serve a Muslim neighbor or friend, to pray for them, um, and possibly even to express to them what God did when he sent Jesus Christ to die for their sins. And um, God is going to make it happen. And our dream is that we'd get to see it happen within five to 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, I love that too. I love that servant leadership role because that's what we're called to do. We're, co- we're called to lead, but the best leaders are the ones who are, are the best at serving and doing what needs to be done. I mean, Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. You know, why, why master, why teacher would you be washing my feet? It's like, that's because I love you. That's, you know. Oh, it's so <laughs> I'm, true. I'm it's so to, radical. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's it, so backwards from everything completely. else, right? Right. That's what separates Christianity and Jesus from everything else. Jesus was a, a real man who mm-hmm. was here. Mm-hmm. And there's great evidence for, for that. And his impact is, is, is felt as strongly today as, as ever before. And um, I, I love what you're doing and what you feel is, is just been really your mission in life, right? I mean, it's, you're doing a, a very similar thing to what you were doing overseas in Jordan years ago. You know, you're using your, uh, your, your faith and your, uh, your uh, connection to Christ to help make disciples of all people. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's just, it's a fascinating story. And I hope that the listeners are, uh, are at least a little bit more aware of what that world looks like and that we've maybe opened their eyes a little bit and that they uh, can be a little bit maybe more receptive or understanding uh, and just, you know, again, be good listeners, be kind, uh, show show love to to all all types of people because you know that's what people are drawn to. We're drawn to people who are a li- who are a light. We're not drawn to darkness, right? We're drawn to light. We're drawn to love as well. Yeah, I mean, we all want to be loved. We want to be we want to be esteemed, cared for. A lot of what Muslims experience in this country is the opposite of ex- esteem, the opposite of being cared for. And we have an opportunity to show them uh, how much God values them by valuing them ourselves as people, regardless of how our view of the ideology, uh, by serving, loving, caring for. And I'm telling you, the smallest acts of kindness have a huge impact um, on on people and Muslim people as well. It's it's just it's just terrific, and I, I so appreciate you coming today to talk about this. And uh, I really f- I've learned a lot. Uh, it's opened my eyes for sure. I I know those listening have uh, absolutely um, you know at least come to know uh, a little bit more about a culture that really they probably didn't know very much about. Um, and um, it's just it's just wonderful. And uh, I so just appreciate you you uh, really going personal with it. And, and, and sharing uh, your, your life a little bit. And it's the, the, the testimony is, is where it's at. It's like you know, what you had to say, what you have to share uh, can really touch people because it's, it's, this is the life that you've chosen. This is the life that you've lived and you're, you're making a great impact in our world. And yeah. uh, we thank you, Matt. Well, Chris, I really appreciate this opportunity just to share uh, mostly because my story is really a story of God doing amazing things and being really merciful to a person who has a lot of faults yeah. and who struggles a lot. But um, I've seen him in his faithfulness again and again, and I want to share that with everybody. God is faithful. God is capable. 
you can be used by God to do amazing things. Surrender to him. Trust Christ. Trust him right now. You know, there's, it's never too late and it's never too early. Trust him. Trust him with all that you have. Give it to him right now. That big problem you're facing today, do it right now. And he will be amazing in your life because he's God. Oh, I couldn't say it any better than that. Where can people find uh, a little bit more about you and about Tampa Muslim Outreach? Sure. They can find it at our website, tampamuslimoutreach.com, Muslim spelled M-U-S-L-I-M, tampamuslimoutreach.com. Get in touch with us. If you got any questions, use the contact page. You know, We'll answer you. We'd love to be in contact with people and to help them. Amazing. Thank you so much, listeners, for being part of another phenomenal Strong by Design episode. And for our guest today, Matt Walter with Tampa Muslim Outreach. And uh, please go check that information out and uh, or check in the description area of this uh, episode and you'll find some links there. And we look forward to another episode next week, of course. I hope you have an amazing rest of the week and weekend. And we love you here at Critical Bench and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you. 